You're listening to a podcast from JNIS. My name is Josh Hirsch, and I'm an associate editor here at the JNIS. I'd like to thank Rob Tarr for inviting us to do this podcast on the Sustainable Growth Rate 2013 article, Time for Definitive Intervention. This was published online first on May 14, 2013. I'm joined by two brilliant young investigators that work with me at the Massachusetts General Hospital. Dr. Ray Liu is a member of the Interventional Radiology Division at the Mass General. He is crimson through and through, having gone to Harvard College and Harvard Med School. He left Boston to go to New York, where he did not one but two residencies in pediatric and diagnostic imaging at Columbia University. He couldn't get away from Boston, so he came back to Brigham and Women's to do a fellowship in interventional radiology. He subsequently joined our staff here, where his clinical interests include interventional oncology, pediatric interventions, and a special interest in vascular malformations. Appropriately, his research interests are also focused on healthcare economics and policy. He builds on positions he's had in strategic healthcare, including acting as a consultant for McKinsey and Company. I'm also joined by Dr. David Rossman. He's an abdominal radiologist here at the Massachusetts General Hospital and Associate Director of Business Development for the department. Dr. Rossman served on the Board of Trustees of the AMA, serves as Vice Speaker of the Massachusetts Medical Society, chairs the Integrated Care Network, which is really the ACO Committee of the American College of Radiology. He earned his MBA at my alma mater at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, except that I went to the medical school. He worked for Senator John Chafee in Washington, D.C., and has extensive policy experience. I personally have heard him lecture several times on health care reform. I learn from these gentlemen every day. They've brought my level of understanding of health care policy way up. I think they're going to be terrific in doing this podcast together. I say welcome, and please join me. Thank you, Josh. Great to be with you, Josh. Thanks so much. I didn't realize you'd ask my mother for the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, with that, David, the questions will start getting harder. And I think I'll ask you the hardest one first, just a basic question. What is the SGR? So the sustainable growth rate, you know, it impacts our lives every day as physicians, and, and yet I think it's something poorly understood. But in general, what it does is it's a conversion factor. It's a method used by the Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, to control Medicare spending. I like to think of it sort of as a rate limiter uh, on, on a car, something that just doesn't allow growth to happen in its natural way and intentionally decelerates you or decelerates that growth or payments based upon things that are happening around us. I think that's a great answer, Dave. I just want to emphasize something that you already said, specifically that this is something that targets, a mechanism that targets physician payments so from Medicare. So Medicare Part B, for our audience, just to understand, it does not target hospital, drugs, et cetera. That's a, great, that's a great point, Ray, and I'll tell you, that kind of general question can be the hardest to answer, so I think we're starting off with a uh, bang, really. Um, let, let's go back to Dave. Dave, uh, could you give us some historical perspective of how we started using this uh, SGR formula? So, you know, I I think actually it's probably worth going all the way back, but I'll try and do it quickly. Um, In 1965, Medicare was established. And at that point, physicians could charge basically whatever they wanted to. uh, And Medicare would pay 
based on charges. And if physicians wanted to charge even more than Medicare would then pay back, they could balance a uh, bill and, and, and uh, charge the patients the remainder. There was a change in that in 1975 to get us to what was called the MEI, the Medicare Economic Index. And essentially what that did was instead of allowing charges willy-nilly, it allowed charges based on costs. Well, of course, as we know, medical costs just keep on increasing because people cre keep creating great technology and allowing you to do the amazing neurointerventional things that you do, uh, cardiac transplant, face transplant. We can do so many things. Well, the costs go up with that. So MEI didn't rein in the costs. The next uh, change after that was to move to the RBRVS, um, and that essentially says let's that's the resource-based relative value system. That takes the cost. And instead of just allowing for costs, it looks at physician work, practice expenses, and then liability. And they were hoping that that would rein things in. Well, as we know, uh, usually when Congress is trying to intervene in something and, and pretends that they can make it work, uh, it doesn't always go that way. So that didn't rein in the costs either, and things continued to increase. So finally, in the uh, Balanced Budget Act of 1997, the SGR was introduced, again, as this sort of rate limiter that that said no matter how costs are moving, we're going to limit how things move. Uh, and they, they limited uh, at that point to some conversion factor, which we, I think we could probably talk about later, uh, that, that involves the GDP. It says no matter what, it's just not going to go up any faster than this. Dave, that was a terrific historical perspective. And rather than talk about it later, I think let's segue to Ray for a discussion without actually getting completely technical in terms of all the components of the equation. Talk about the formula itself in, in prosaic terms. Sure, definitely. Thank you. So trying to understand the SGR, um, going off of what Dave was saying, um, takes us back and you really need to understand physician payments. Um, and I think we can try to break this down at a high level and just talk about the elements that go into physician payment and how SGR fits into that. And uh, most of our audience members know this, but it's always worth a small review, where physician payment is really made up of three major factors. It's, uh, we always hear about the relative value unit, the RVU. Uh, we hear about uh, a geographical adjustment, depending on where you live. And uh, as Dave uh, has referred to a number of times, this, uh, this mystical uh, conversion factor. Um, and so you look into that, and there's nowhere that actually says SGR. But uh, what's important to understand, as Dave has mentioned, is SGR fits into this rate-limiting step, this conversion factor, if you will. The other thing that I want to point out in that physician payment idea is the RVU. We won't go into it too much right now, but it's important to understand that current physician payments are linked to volume of work. That's very important as we think about solutions later on. But as we, con as we drill down a little bit and understand how SGR fits into this top-level formula, we have to understand the conversion factor. Now, the conversion factor is basically, as Dave said, um, a way of adjusting from year to year. Um, and you basically take that RVU, multiply by the geographical adjustment, and you multiply by a conversion factor, which in 2013 was about $34. Um, so all physician payment takes into account that $34. That conversion factor itself is made up of two other areas. Two other areas are Medicare Economic Index and an Update Adjustment Factor. The Medicare Economic Index, or the MEI, is basically an estimated cost of doing business in a geographic region. This does not have anything to do with the SGR itself. The SGR comes into play with this Update Adjustment Factor. Now, this is basically a, uh, a complex formula that takes into account um, the, uh, an SGR number. 
which in turn has a number of elements. That SGR elements include uh, change in costs associated with physician practice, uh, an estimated change in the average number of Medicare fee-for-service beneficiaries, uh, an element that is linked to the GDP per capita, and an element that is uh, related to expenditures, changes in laws or regulations. And basically, out of these elements, you get an SGR, and out of the SGR, you get into a conversion factor, and that is how our, our payments to physicians are created. I would draw attention to what both uh, of the discussants uh, pointed out, that this formula is linked to the gross domestic product. One can understand the rationale for doing that, but also the unintended consequences of linking a fast-moving, technologically-driven healthcare practice to a national gross domestic product. And I think that linkage has really been part of the ongoing problem of the SGR. Moving forward, I guess I would throw the question to uh, Dave again. Dave, so it seems like the SGR uh, was conceived with good intentions but has been problematic for quite a while. Why has it been so hard to, to get around this problem and fix it? Well, I, I, you know, I think that's the multi-billion dollar question, Josh. And, and I think what you had just said uh, about the link to the GDP explains why it's so problematic, right? That's why this keeps going up and up and up, and, and the, the fix, and as we hear about the doc fix, keeps getting harder to do. So, you know, from 98 to 2002, the economy was booming, everything was happening great, and so there wasn't a problem with this GR. It just moved along with GDP. But once we hit the recession uh, in the early 2000s, ever since then, it's been a problem. Well, at first, it was a, a small dollar fix, or a small dollar in the terms of the federal budget, you know, a, a few billion dollars. The, the challenge, of course, is they didn't fix it permanently because they decided, well, we like this SGR concept. Maybe we're just in a recession and we should continue on, we being Congress, uh, we should continue on having this formula be in effect, but, uh, and, and we'll just fix it for this year because we don't want to see that the reimbursement go down and thus access get worse. So that's what they did. Well, uh, the problem was, was that happened in the year 2002 and then again in 2003. And in fact, there have been 15 fixes from 2002 through 2013 as the, the challenge with each fix is that they're cumulative. So every time they say, we'll change the actual payments to not reflect this SGR conversion factor. And uh, when the SGR conversion factor says, we're going to decrease reimbursement to physicians, and Congress says, no, 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 we'll keep it level or we'll increase it by 1%. Well, the next year, the 5% cut that was supposed to happen gets added to the new next cut, and then it's 10% and 15 and all the way up to the nearly 30% cut that was supposed to happen in this past year at the fiscal cliff. So as we can see, the, the biggest challenge is Congress keeps kicking the can down the road, and every time they kick the can, they seem to add another one, and the can gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually they seem to be stubbing their toe. I think that's, uh, that's an excellent discussion, uh, Dave, and uh, I just want to emphasize exactly what you're saying. That cumulative effect is really one of the fundamental flaws of the SGR mechanism. And when you say cumulative, it's cumulative from a certain baseline year. So it's that 1996 and 1997 when it was created, that baseline serves as the foundation for every other, every year's SGR formula. And, uh, and as you said, that cumulative nature just gets bigger and bigger, and it's, uh, it's a huge problem for us. It's amazing how the inaction of 
a few people in Washington can result in just a greater, greater problem for what turns out to really be all Americans, although, as the article points out, there is reason for hope. Before we get to that hope, though, let's stay mired in the problem. Um, Ray, let me just ask you generally, there are a lot of different role groups uh, with with the uh, constraints of time uh, pressing on us. Generally, let me ask, what do you think the political obstacles are to getting the SGR fix as well? What do you think public perception and medical society's perspective are on this problem? Sure. It's, uh, again, a complex sort of uh, uh, topic in itself. Um, in terms of tackling the first question, first, uh, first question, in terms of political obstacles of getting a fix, um, you know, my perspective is it really comes down to two major issues. There's the obvious money problem, and then the other problem is creating an alternate solution. Um, so against that, in terms of the money, it's interesting. We hear, as Dave said, the multi-billion dollar problem. Uh, there are multiple estimates on how much it would actually cost to fix the SGR. What's interesting most recently, just this year, the, uh, the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, has changed their ongoing estimate. And now it's actually $138 billion to fix it over a 10-year freeze. This seems like a huge number, but it was, that's, a, that's a reduction of $245 billion from the previous year. So you can see that there's a, while money is an issue, as we revise and we get a sense of controlling health care costs, might, the actual absolute number might actually be smaller than we think. Coming to the second reason for uh, political obstacles is finding alternate solution. And I think we'll come into that a little bit later, but it's very problematic to understand how we can shift payment, physician payment reform from a volume-based physician payment reform to more of a value-based reform. That being said, despite these political obstacles, it's one of those rare things that actually has bipartisan support. It's amazing. Dave knows this better from being in, in Washington uh, a number of times, um, but you have Democrats, Republicans, both sides of the aisle creating solutions both at the House level and at the Senate level um, and introducing bills. The problem still is we getting it through Congress getting it signed is still mirrored in multiple other elements, including money and alternate solutions. Yes, I think it, it's truly rare that there's such bipartisan agreement that something is bad and needs to be fixed. Usually there's arguments between the political parties. On this one, there's agreement, but no clear path just yet on how to get there. And like you alluded to, we will talk about some opportunities in a second. If you could also focus on the second part of the question, which was the public perception and medical society's perspective on this. Sure. In terms of uh, public perception, I think it's interesting. I, uh, I recently read um, a study that was cited by Mark Smith from uh, California Healthcare Foundation, and, um, and basically it comes down to how, what does the public perceive in terms of physician income and payment? And I think that's, uh, that's one of the problematic issues. Physicians certainly have enjoy um, a profession where they're well compensated compared to um, other specialties, other professions. That being said, when you actually ask them how much do you think physicians get paid for a certain procedure, there was a, a study that basically, uh, on average, patients thought that uh, Medicare paid surgeons $11,000 per procedure out of a total Medicare payment of 15000 So the public is not understanding that the majority of money in any payment for a procedure um, or any care is actually going towards, say, a hospital or other facility fee, with physicians getting a smaller amount of that. So that, I think, drives public perception, hey, these doctors are just, they're 
they're paid highly, they're, they're rich, they're, they're living in mansions, so why do we need to worry about that? Why do they keep on crying wolf? So that, that's a, a problem and a misconception, at least from our perspective, in terms of what the public feels. The alternate side of that is what do medical societies um, perceive uh, perspective on the SGR. Um, and it's interesting, again, there is widespread agreement across multiple medical societies led by, um, you know, Dave's work in the AMA, um, where everyone agrees the SGR should be repealed. That comes from the AMA. That comes from the Society of General Internal Medicine, from the American College of Cardiology. I can go on and on and on. So the repeal is supported by multiple societies. Again, the problem is multiple societies, multiple perspectives in terms of what's the solution, what's the alternate path forward. That's where the disagreement comes in. Uh, that's actually an excellent answer, Ray. And just in terms of enticing the audience, we pick out some of these proposed solutions and highlight them in a case-by-case -case format in, in the article. I do think it makes for good reading, although I'll acknowledge that I'm biased. <laughs> well, Josh, if I, if I could just pick up uh, quickly on something that Ray said, because you know, I, I think the, the concept of where the public is is, is exactly right uh, in their perception of physicians, um, though, though importantly, for I would say probably five or six years now, uh, though it didn't start with the beginning of the fix, uh, but as time moved on, AARP has been very, very supportive of the medical organizations and teamed up with the AMA in support of repeal of the SGR because they realized that as those cuts escalate and get up you know, over 20%, close to 30%, that it really affects access. And therefore, there, there came from AARP's uh, advocacy, I think, a public support for the physician's physician. And then one other thing I'd add to the physician's physician is that, uh, you know, the, the you've probably heard it, you know, people listening to this podcast, I suspect you've heard your society um, talk uh, to you and ask you, can you call your congressman on this topic? Uh, you, I'm sure you've heard from the ACR on it, and, I, and uh, if you're a member of the AMA, you've heard from the AMA on it. And, and there's become, I think, physician fatigue from the SGR because it just keeps happening over and over and over again. And although it feels like it's just the same thing over and over again, of course the stakes keep getting higher and higher because of the cumulative effect. But it's hard to combat that physician fatigue on the advocacy side. Uh, that, that's just a terrific point. I think um, highlighting one, I think, final point you made is that a problem for the physician participants in Medicare is really a problem for the beneficiaries. And it is appropriate that the AARP address that through its very active membership because it would really affect that uh, group of seniors that they represent. Um, I think let's move on to sort of the penultimate question that I'd like to ask. And Dave, again, recognizing that uh, we can't be comprehensive in this uh, response, what are some of the proposed solutions out there? What do you think uh, will be coming to the fore from the different uh, players in this, and, and what would you choose to review if you had just a limited time to review it? Yeah, so great question. Uh, and I think to, to start with, I, I pick up on something else that Ray said, uh, which is that though everybody agrees that the SGR needs to go, uh, the biggest problem, and, and especially now that there's been the revised CBOX uh, uh, estimate of the cost and much lower than it had been is where to go from here and, and what can be the fix and so though they might be willing to fix it they don't know what to put in its place and they're afraid to not put anything there's this huge movement as Ray has mentioned towards pay for value rather than pay for service and we hear about 
you know, pay for performance, and that was a big term for a long time, and then accountable care organizations, and we're hearing more and more about various ways of shifting risk to physicians. Well, some of the uh, uh, plans out there all say, let's freeze the SGR for some short amount of time at whatever the current payment is, and then move into some new value-based system and do that slowly in a stepwise fashion, because if we're to do it all too rapidly, then we can really, you know, uh, frankly, uh, not harm uh, doctors, which it certainly could, uh, but it could cause some very serious harm to patients. And so the AMA position, as well as the legislative proposals, they're all out there saying, let's freeze this and then slowly shift into something new. Uh, and I think the, the one that I'd probably like to highlight is the one that came out of the Joint House Energy and Commerce uh, Committee along with the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, and, and what they said is essentially that same thing. Let's have a, a stable period, uh, and, and just to tell you how far we are from a real solution, they haven't even defined what that stable period would be. Uh, and then uh, phase two, as they move out of that stable period, um, they'd base uh, physician fee schedules on performance measures. Again, pay for performance sort of things. And, and again, uh, to, to tell how hard this is, uh, the details even in their proposal are, are quite vague, uh, but it looks as though we'll be compared as docs to each other, uh, where those who aren't meeting you know, the average or above are going to be uh, hit the hardest with penalties. Uh, and then in phase three, it will be quality metrics uh, and and the effect of those quality metrics mean that if you hit certain quality metrics, you will be paid more. And, of course, the part that they don't say out loud, but they certainly mean because they're trying to save money over the long run, if you don't hit those quality metrics, you'll be paid less. Now, uh, all of these value systems and, and pay-for-performance systems um, and the various proposals that are out there, uh, they – they all seem to be moving in the same direction but have the same consternation of not knowing which metrics to use. And I, I think that, that discussion is a, a discussion for another day, but, but its complexity is part of what makes the SGR so hard to replace. Uh, that, that's a great answer, Dave. I, I think I'm going to throw this question to both of you, sort of a synopsis question. I mean, I turn on the news when I get home, and it certainly appears to be a pretty fractious time in Washington. Now, uh, there are multiple uh, quote-unquote scandals that uh, the president is uh, um, answering for at night. With all of these things going on, recognizing that everybody wants to fix it, how would you handicap the chances of it actually getting done? No, Josh, I like to think that uh, I'm both optimist and realist. Um, you know, in, in this particular situation, um, I am optimistic. And uh, I think it's, it goes to what a little bit what Dave was saying in terms of uh, there's almost a perfect storm of a philosophy of, of shifting the way that physician payment should happen. Um, and as we mentioned, uh, a pay-for-value is really getting a lot of energy and uh, really gaining some momentum. And, um, you know, this is evidenced by um, the uh, National Commission for Physician Payment Reform, which came from the Society of General Internal Medicine. They just released a report suggesting repeal of SGR, some alternate pathways forward. Uh, this is also evidenced by the fact that even at the Senate level, Senate Finance Chairman um, Max Bacchus um, just convened a panel to understand physicians, um, to understand what way they want to see forward. So in that scenario, you look forward, you say, hey, this is a perfect time for a lot of elements to come together and actually make some permanent change instead of going year by year. 
the realistic part of me, again, speaks to what you just said, right? I mean, there's just so much going on in Washington. Um, we all know about the sequester, and we thought that, you know, that's such a, a huge issue. Something like that would never come forward. So the unthinkable can definitely happen in Washington. I'm happy to hear what you think, Dave. So I, I think that's a great answer, Ray. I, I you know, I, I have the same optimism and realism, I believe. I, I think that we probably can get it fixed uh, and, and therein lies my optimism. It seems as though everybody does agree, as you're saying, that uh, you know, the cost has come down to fix it, that we're moving towards a value-based system, uh, and, and thus the SGR is going to likely go away. My, my realism is that, you know, as we highlighted back in the beginning of this talk, we've been through you know, several different uh, congressionally-based reformations of the Medicare payment system, none of which have actually succeeded. So though I'm uh, relatively confident that we're going to fix the SGR, I have to say I'm not so confident that whatever comes in to fix it is going to be substantially better. The enemy you know. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Well, with, with, with that thought, uh, I, I think we've really come full circle uh, on this issue of the SGR. In our article, we played on words and called it unsustainable. I think this historical perspective discussion of the political realities explains why this unsustainable formula requires intervention and despite the fact that it is unsustainable has sustained over these years. I think people can see why I enjoy coming to work every day. This was a terrific collaboration. I learned so much from our two discussants. On behalf of Ray Liu, David Rossman, and myself, I'd like to thank Rob Tarr and the entire editorial staff for allowing us to do this podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing it as much as we enjoyed making it. Thank you. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.